Pilot Boys in the building. Welcome to the Pilot Boys podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. I'm Mekadon here with my co-host V. Mamba mentality for life. Today is July 16th, 2020. Actually a very special day. Shout out to my sister. Happy birthday. Thank you guys for tuning in. I know you could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. We are quarantined and social distancing due to this pandemic, but we're still doing our best to bring you guys a show at all costs. On today's show, we have a very, very special guest, Taj George of SWV, and she talks to us about everything, her early days in SWV, what it was like being a star in the 90s, their new music, being married to Eddie George, Black Lives Matter, and so much more. We also do some news and notes of some popular stories across the country, from Will and Jada Smith, new NFL mouth guards, excuse me, Madden ratings, Ohio State players testing positive, Naya Rivera, RIP, Redskins, Roger Stone, Tucker Carlson, Pop Smoke, and so much more. Don't forget that our Patreon subscribers will get our episodes on Wednesdays a night early. These donations help keep our show going. If you want to help keep us on air, you can donate at www.patreon.com forward slash Pilot Boys Podcast. Don't forget to grab some Pilot Boys face masks and wristbands at shop.pilotboys.com. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating and comment on Apple. Let's go. the pilot boys podcast we are joined by a very special guest celebrity singer businesswoman mom wife everything you can imagine superwoman taj george taj thank you for joining us on the pilot boys podcast how are you i'm good thank you yeah and as i I was actually introducing you i started to think about like wow you actually do do a lot of things and i guess i'm wondering what has this quarantine period of time been like for you trying to juggle and balance all of those things that I literally just mentioned. It's been great. Mm, (laughs) I don't have to juggle much anymore. My traveling has been completely shut down. Um, Literally, I'm home at the first month I was cleaning like every day. I said, no coronavirus here. (laughs) So I clean nonstop. I cook a lot more now. I spend a lot more time with my son. I've, yeah. work, I've been able to work out more. I've been yeah. reading more. Everything. I'm really taking advantage of the time, uh, the downtime. I mean, of course, I miss the road. I'm ready to get back out there on the road, but I'd rather be alive mm-hmm, <laughs> than, right. than not. Yes. Okay. I, I feel you. And how, and how about your, your kids? How have they been taking it? Because, you know, it's different stories everywhere. Some kids are hating it. Some kids are enjoying it. How, how have they been? My youngest... He goes in and out like he's okay. ready to get outside, but he's such a uh, he's an only child. So he's fine being by himself. He's OK. Right. And as I said uh, the, uh, in the beginning, Eddie and I traveled so much, we were hardly ever home. He's looking at us like, do you have some place to go? <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Absolutely. He liked his freedom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He loved it when we weren't around. It was this was his house. Yeah, like, no, that, bro. that's the thing. I think, that, you know, the answer kind of to that question is very personal, right? Because, you know, there's some people who, you know, obviously there have been some bad things happening with, you know, increasing domestic violence and depression and suicide. Yeah. But then there also have been some positive, ex- people's positive experiences, um, just depending on what their circumstances are. So I'm just right. always curious 
to kind of hear people's perspective. One thing I want to talk about next is kind of, you know, before we get into some, some other stuff, I want to talk about kind of the origins of SWV, right? Obviously, we've been fans of SWV since the beginning, since way before we knew you and met you. And I just imagine being, you know, a celebrity during the 90s when music was just popping and everything and, was popping. And R&B was, was killing it. Yeah. Everything was just, popping. Yeah, like talk to us yeah. about that, about like kind of just the original like formation and how that was and how it was kind of just building and growing with the, with the group at that time. Well, we, of course, all grew up in New York, Brooklyn and the Bronx. I'm from Brooklyn. The girls are from the Bronx. Mm. So uh, New York was just the place to be at that mm. time. Everything is always accessible in New York. You can you can get anywhere in less than 20 minutes. The subway, yeah. you don't have to worry about parking. We were young, and it was like the time of our lives. We had great success. We wanted to do a great album, and we were able to do that. It, we were able to tour the world. Mm -hmm. Our downfall was our camp. We didn't have uh, anyone around to explain to us this business because, of course, the music business is a business yes. before uh, everything else is a business. Absolutely. But we didn't comprehend that because we were young and all we knew was everybody loved us. So we yeah. were thinking, this is great. But we missed the business in and, and it tore us apart. So yeah. um, it was almost a blessing again. You have to see the blessing in everything. It was almost a blessing again that we did break up when we did because when we came back, we appreciated each other so much more. We yeah. knew what we had to do uh, uh, off the bat, there was no mistake in who was better than who, what was wrong. We knew what to do. So sometimes you got to step back to find your way forward. And yeah. I'm trying to take that same mindset with this damn quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So, so I actually, that brings you to another question, which is, I guess, what would you tell your younger self now that you know you've, you're seasoned and you've learned a lot? What would you have told your younger self now, or would you not necessarily have changed anything? Do you feel like all those experiences were nece necessary, I guess, to get you to where you are? I think they were necessary, but um, I think also I, I allowed myself to be the victim. If I had, could have a chance to go back to my younger self, I would tell myself to snap out of it. Everybody doesn't deserve your kindness. Everybody mm. doesn't deserve your trust. And yeah. everybody doesn't deserve to treat you the way they want to treat you. Mm. Oh, if I could only tell my younger self that. Yeah. Folks would have hated me. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's let's talk about the, the good the good stuff. Talk about some of the you know the highlights, right? Obviously, you know, selling albums, selling out shows, you mm. know, all that type of stuff. But is there anything else that happened during this period? Maybe people that you met. You know, things that happened, circumstances, fun moments, anything that okay, just take us into that time period a little bit <laughs> that you're no, allowed to say. <laughs> for, for me, for me, and I know some people might think this is crazy, but I am still to this day the biggest Bobby Brown fan in the mm. entire world. Nobody can top me. Right. So <laughs> when I finally had the opportunity to meet him, and mind yeah. you, I have been a fan since I was 13 years old, and yeah. there were experiences that we had running into each other, but when I was able to meet him as Taj from SWV, and he's just, he's just the best. I don't care what nobody says. I don't care. Bobby Brown's just the best. He has qualities that people don't see. They don't mm -hmm. see. All you see is the bad stuff. Of course, bad news travel way faster than good news. But he has elements of great qualities that people don't get a chance to see. I did. So 
and it wasn't romantic. He's we've never had anything where I've never even kissed him like mm-hmm. nothing. He's never been attracted to me. He's just a genuinely good person underneath all the crap. Yeah. 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 You, you guys, you guys got started early, right? In the nineties, the music industry was different then than it is now obviously right (laughs) even one of the funny stories i read was to stand out that you guys would send perrier sparkling water bottles with your packages to kind of stand out and just tell us a little bit about the difference now we have technology there are so many ways that you can get people's attention that wasn't so back then you tell us a little bit about how you guys got your break and and the things that you did to get attention well, that is one thing that I will give our first manager. She she put a, a little package together with our demo, a little bottle, a bottle of Perrier water, some, I guess, confetti or whatever. It was a cute little package, and she sent it to all the major labels. Mm. RCA was the only one that responded, but when you think about it, it, it was cute. She didn't send it as um, mail. She sent it as, hey, special delivery, mm. and they had to get it. That's you could not- either listen to it or not, but they a lot of people listen to it. Um, most of them said no, but RCA decided to roll with it. And thank God, because who knows how it would have been if we had been on another label with other groups. We were their primary focus. So we were able to do things that we probably wouldn't have been able to do on another label. Yeah. And who was your... Go ahead, Lee. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was gonna say, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. That often. Okay. Wait, I'm okay. just going to talk. No, okay. <laughs> I was going to ask who your who your guys' uh, rival, I guess, so to speak, was at that time. Not necessarily who you guys felt rivalry with, but maybe who uh-huh. the media tried to put against you guys or people, not even if it was just one, like who was your kind of competition, so to speak, at that time? You know what's so crazy? In the 90s, there were an abundance of girl groups. You had mm-hmm. SWV, TLC, Escape, Jade, Brownstone, The Good Girls. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. The Arrow and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there were girl groups off the butt. So, I mean, as far as selling records, everybody was competition. Yeah. Now, of course, we know, oh, don't forget in Vogue, but of mm-hmm. course, we know uh, TLC surpassed everyone, mm-hmm. but we were right behind them. So, hey, number two ain't bad. Right, 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 <laughs> 25, right. 25 million and, records. Until Destiny's Child came along, oh, those yeah. damn girls. <laughs> <laughs> they changed the game. They changed yeah. the game. What was your opinion of them when they first, when they first dropped? Well, we thought they were great. The funny thing about uh, Destiny's Child is we've known them since they were 13, 14 years old. Mm. They were such huge fans of SWV when we would go to Houston. Before we would even get there, they knew where we were staying. They were at our hotel. They used to spend the night with us in our hotels. We would take them with us on our meet and greets. We were so happy for them when they finally got their their mojo going and everything was great. You can tell they were going to be great. Beyonce was Beyonce from the time she came out of her mother's womb. So Mm. there was no denying that. But the girls were just incredible as a group. They were great. And yeah. they had a great manager. Matthew was determined to get those girls out there, and he did a great job. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because you you've been in the industry for a while, and you mentioned how at that time there were so many girl groups or so many guy oh, groups yeah. too on the R and B side. You don't see that anymore. Um, you don't. And even in terms of how the music was made with the harmonies, multiple mm-hmm. people having an opportunity to get on a record. That's mm-hmm. not the case anymore. What What do you think has changed? I know part of it is probably business related, but why do you think that that's not a, a art form that's popular anymore? The group. Uh, 
you know, that I really can't tell you. I, I have no definite answer, but I can tell you the shift in the business probably played a, a role. Yeah, uh, you went from regular record deals to this whole 360 record deal thing mm -hmm. where um, record labels is like, I'm not going to put out all my money first. We can be partners mm -hmm. or, or right. you can do your own. Right. And then and then I guess with the age of social media, everybody's promoting themselves. There, mm -hmm. there aren't a lot of girl groups. Everybody's solo and everybody's taking off on their own. But I tell you what, the first person comes up with a hot girl group in this era is going to win. That is very true. And that's true. That's true also for hip hop, too. I mean, back in the day, we used to see groups, the locks, three, six mafia, yeah, outcasts. I mean, yeah. don't thugs. I mean, yeah. like you go on and on. Now you don't really see that as much. I think part of it is just society has turned a lot more individualistic, um, not mm -hmm. just in terms of music, but just in general. And then also, you know, just understanding the business side, the business side of, of a group can get really, really messy. And you can start, you know, First of all, the business side in terms of just how you split the money, but then even the <laughs> the attention side, right? In terms of yeah. who's getting the attention and egos and all that type of stuff. I always said mm -hmm. I never wanted to be in a group. And, and, and like <laughs> and like you mentioned early on, early on, an industry that likes to divide divide people as yeah, well. That's what I was about to tell you. You definitely don't want to be in a girl group. Yeah, <laughs> all the hormones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine some of the fights. So let's talk about let's talk about some of the. The bad moments and not because I want to highlight them, but I think it's important for people who are, you know, in this industry to understand what can happen. What are some of the things mm -hmm. that did happen? You touched on them a little bit earlier. Some of the things that you regret or some of the bad moments that you had that maybe you uh, eventually learned from or, or, did, or didn't learn from. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely thank God I learned from everything. All right. Let's even start. Stop before you even get to just the business. Once you become anywhere near successful, you got to deal with your personal circle. Mm. They lose their minds first. Mm. Everybody feels like you owe them something. Yes. And yes. if you if you're weak minded, and I can honestly say I was back then, I was 20. I felt like I had to give everybody everything because they got me a, a, a bottle of water one day. Right, 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 <laughs> he opened right, yeah. the door when I had my hands full. So I right. own everything, you know, right. and then you go over to the business side when, especially in a female group. Um, and our group was our di dynamic was a little different because Coco was the main lead singer. Mm -hmm. So she felt unappreciated and that, that caused, uh, issues between the group <laughs> that yeah. caused an entanglement between. The group. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get to that, by the way. <laughs> it caused an entanglement, right. and instead of having someone around to explain to us what a cohesive group is and how we're going to have disagreements, but we can work through them because here's what, what the alternative is. There was no one there to help us with that. So um, yeah. the downside was that while people saw us on stage happy and dancing, when we got off the stage, it was like, you go your way, I'm going my way because I don't like your hair and y'all just the stupid stuff. We were young. Right. Yeah. And you guys, and you, you guys. guys you guys ended up breaking up, right? And then oh, getting yeah, back together. Oh, yeah, 98. Yeah, we were a part of, what, 98 to 2005? I was never good with math. What is that? Seven years. <laughs> is that seven years. Seven yeah. years, okay. Yeah. yeah, we took a seven-year break. So we were together from 92 to 98, six years, and we took a seven-year break. And now we've been together for, what, 14 years? Yeah, and when 15. you know better, you do better. So, let, so let's talk about that period, the, the period where you guys actually broke up. What was that period like? Were you, was there any type of communication at all? Was it bitter or was it just kind of quiet? And then how did it eventually come back together? It started off very bitter. Yeah, yeah. It, it was very bitter initially. 
And again, um, like for me, I literally, literally stripped myself of SWV when uh, when the group broke up and I decided to move. I mean, for one, we were like low on cash. So I decided mm. to move and start all over. And when I moved, when I unpacked my house, I took everything related to SWV and threw it in the dump. Oh, no. Wow. That's a million Worth that million. Yeah. Plaques, everything. To this day, my brother has my my uh, platinum plaques because if he didn't take them out the trash, they would be history. They would be gone. Wow. But he wanted them. So I'm like, I hey, keep that shit. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I started over, and I, I think for me, again, it was a, it was another blessing, a blessing that I didn't want, I didn't perceive as a blessing at the time, but I realized now it was a blessing because. I had to learn how to live on my own. I had to understand that everything I did didn't depend on one person. And because of that philosophy, I was taken advantage of so much that I was my self-esteem was just destroyed. So going out on my own and realizing that I'm capable, I'm worthy, I can do this, I did this, I'm even better now. When I came back, to the group in 05, it, it was just a whole new dynamic. Like I, yeah. I walked in with my head high. I didn't have to hide in the corner. I didn't have to uh, not be able to say anything. Oh, God, no, things changed dramatically. And who, and, and who bridged that gap? <laughs> who brought you guys back? Because, I mean, obviously, if it was bitter, I don't, you know, it probably took a lot of work to kind of get you guys back together on the same page. You know what? It really didn't take a whole lot of work. I mean, I had just gotten married. I literally just had my son. He was three months old when uh, I got the, I was the last person they called to come back to the group. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember it was Teddy Riley. He wanted us to do the show with him. I think it was the Tom Joyner cruise. They had to call me to do it because, of course, they wanted all three girls. And one thing I will say about us, we never thought we could do it without each other. So mm. there was never going to be a new girl. Um, right. When when Coco left the group initially, Lily wanted to do it with another girl. And I'm like, that's not SWV, though. Mm. That's just not the element that right. we need. I, I'd rather not do it than do it without them. Right. So uh, they call me and... We had to work out some differences. We had to come come to the red table. I keep going back to that. <laughs> <laughs> to the red table, hilarious. We, we had to work out some things uh, and say some things, get some things off our chest so we could move forward. And, and that's what we did. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted to ask about the second go around, right? Right. In the, yeah. The first go around, you guys were in the 90s where everything was hot. The second time around, you're coming to a new industry that's oh, probably yeah. drastically different than oh, the yeah. industry you were in before. Can you tell us a little bit about those differences and the challenges um, that come with it? Because a lot of people say this music industry isn't for the faint of heart. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really hard to maintain the longevity that you guys have maintained. It's usually yeah. a few years at most. Yeah. Yeah. Coming back. We had to definitely understand that this was no longer the 90s. We, we were in the 2000s now. And um, everything was turning over to digital. We learned this word called streaming. Who knew about that? Mm-hmm. So um, when we were, wanted to do a new album, 
it wasn't as easy as, hey, we're SWV and we're back. Folks was like, y'all look old. <laughs> y'all are wearing like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wearing thongs and you're right. not uh, taking pictures with your titties out. No, yeah. we all had children and we were right. married. So we wanted to uh, reflect that while still trying to be sexy, but it, right. it just wasn't, it wasn't being accepted. Finally, we did, we got an independent deal and that was just, it was a great idea, but the, the funds were not there to promote it the way it should have been. And I, I mm-hmm. believe we left two incredible albums on the table because they 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 were never heard. Yeah. But um, the age of social media is so crazy. I always tell my son, you guys have it easy. You can just sign on to a computer and see what everybody's doing. You can type in hi and they may respond to you. Right. Back when I grew up. You had to. You got lucky if you saw him coming out of a store or right. a restaurant, and, and then you really couldn't say nothing but hi. Can I get an autograph? And right. that was that. Yeah. But these these people, these kids, or or social media, the age of social media, they don't appreciate. I feel don't appreciate the access that they're given to these artists. So what they do now is they get on, they troll you, you say mm-hmm. hi wrong, they cussing you out for right. a way to Sunday. <laughs> right. They just don't understand the privilege that they have. They don't appreciate it because they've never had to do the hard work like we did. Not, I know uh, kids hate when we say that, but damn it, it's true. Yeah, no, I, 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 I hear you. And one of the things that you actually mentioned uh, is that when you had come back, you had you know just had a baby, you obviously were married. And so, you know, getting, first of all, getting married in this industry as a female, and I've heard this from female artists mm-hmm. and, and women artists is that like, you know, people don't want to hear about your relationships. They don't want to hear about, they don't want you to be booed up. They don't, you know, and then, and then now, <laughs> and then now you're dealing with someone who's famous and, and, and is also a celebrity. Well, talk to us a little bit about that time period and what that was like. It was wonderful. I, yeah. I did not have a problem for one. I'm like the most loyal person you will ever meet in your life. I always tell people, if you are down for me and I can count on you, you never have to turn around. You know I'm back there. I got you. Right, right. I, I have four best friends. I call them the elements. That I don't have to ever think twice about them. They're yeah. there whenever I need them. They're all four of them are my son's godmothers. I'm like, if anything happened to me, I know neither one of you will let him fall. So mm-hmm. that's that. But um, I I didn't have a problem coming back married because I wasn't trying to be sexy for anybody else. Right. I always tell people I didn't have an ass when I got married. He liked the flat bone then. He's going on the flat bone now. So I don't oh have to God. push my flat bone out there or inflate it for attention. Oh. <laughs> so I, I was good with it. And, and as a couple, when we did our reality show, Barry the Baller, it was so well received that we never had to say, well, let's not talk about our marriage. When I walk into a room, first thing people say, first thing people say is, how's Eddie? Right. Like, what about me? Right. For real. <laughs> so talk, we, had, we had Mike Hill on, who's married to our fiance of Cynthia Bailey. And we asked him kind of the same question about like some of the challenges, though, that come with both of you guys being celebrities and, you know, uh-huh. in terms of scheduling and maybe social media now and people creating lives and stories. What are some of the challenges that you and Ed- Eddie have dealt with? Um, just oh, by virtue of the fact that you guys are both celebrities. Well, I know one time we had a pain in the butt situation. And again, social media, you love it, but you got to hate it sometimes because again, uh, bad news travels way quicker mm-hmm. than good news. So um, Eddie had to go to Florida to do uh, Archie's, Mike, what's his name? Glory. Archie Griffin. 
Archie Griffin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same my life. Come on, I'm you're like, a Mike Archie. Yeah, you got it I know. by heart. Come on. Well, it's it's understandable known by his first name only too, right, though. True, true, true. Right, right. So <laughs> we, we had to go down there for that event. Of course, uh, at the I guess the black tie portion of it or the, the dinner part of it, they have been uh, drinking, and one of the guests offered him a ride home. So he he Eddie calls me eight times a day. And I'm telling him, like, you don't have to check in every second. I got you. You right. like, I'm reading. Okay. Right. So he was he was on the phone with me and he goes, I gotta go. We're getting pulled over. I'm like, what's going on? Come to find out he's in the car with this girl. And all over the media is Eddie George is cheating on his wife. And oh, cheating on man. I I'm on the phone with him, but you right. can't tell people that because they don't want to yeah. hear the truth. They don't yeah. want to hear the truth. So we're just like the end. It also kind of uh, offset a book that we had written. We had just wrote a book called uh, Married for Real, where we talk about everything that we had to go through and how you can overcome obstacles in your marriage. But the book was not received because of one stupid incident that mm. meant nothing. Mm, mm, mm. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah, that's that's this. You know, and you're right, especially when it comes to celebrities and people as much as quickly as people want to build you up and love you and embrace you. They're also those same exact people sometimes are willing to do whatever yes. it takes to figure out ways to bring you down. Also, well, there's, yes. there's, there's value in drama, right? And that's the, that's and kind of the problem with the, the entertainment industry is that a lot of the things that are glorified are negative, right? So mm -hmm. if everything was perfect and you guys didn't have some drama or issues, then there's nothing for them to talk about and monetize, right? So right. So what's funny is we just got a call to do marriage boot camp, and we were <laughs> like, we don't have any problems in our <laughs> right. marriage. They're right. like, no, it's not just the problems. I'm like, you, you are not gonna just come in there and destroy our marriage. No. Uh, so we were like, what can we even talk about? And the only thing we could come up with is we fight over covers. <laughs> of course, <laughs> like, like any cover. I'm yeah. angry. Because he's got to sleep with eight pillows. I like to sleep with the television off. He wants it. I mean, he likes it off. I want it on. He mm. likes all these pillows. I'm good with one. He sleeps right. in the middle of the bed, knocks me over. So I'm like, literally, <laughs> we're just like, you know what? I hate him at night. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And that's about it. And the funny thing is people will eat it up because people are looking for anything. And you mentioned, yeah. you mentioned the red table twice. So I'm going to ask you now. <laughs> What were your thoughts on that too? Because in a lot of ways, I think, first of all, I think there's a, a, a over fascination with, with celebrities and celebrity couples and their, and their it relationships. Really is. But I think Will and Jada, to be honest, I think, you know, they're, they're playing people a little bit, right? I mean, obviously they brought this, they, it wasn't like they decided to do this and people are talking about what they decided to do. Um, yeah. What are your kind of thoughts on, on the Red Table and the Will Smith thing with, with Jada and how that's, how that's played out so far? Uh, well, first, I'll just say this. Yes, they brought it to the table, and I think they felt pressured to bring it to the table. Mm. But it's really not anybody's business. Like, right. I, no one, I always tell people, I don't go to hell for your sins. I'm only mm. going to hell for my sins. So mm. I can care less what you're doing. So, um, but I can tell you this it has been the greatest entertainment. <laughs> right. Well, the memes have been incredible. <laughs> the memes? Yeah. Are did you see the one with the soul train line when it no. has to figure out the letters? No, the I didn't letters. Know. It's the word for entanglement. <laughs> 
yeah, look, they're it's standing there up against the letterboard, and you gotta guess the word. And this damn eyelids, I look my eyes. That's definitely one thing. That's it. one thing for sure. That's that's come out of even yeah. just in quarantine. Me and I have talked about this before too. Is just people, the creativity of people. Oh yeah. Display. Oh yeah. Yeah, and you you oh, yeah. you you kind of in in this specific scenario, you kind of feel like you said you said something earlier. It's like if you make a mistake, you have to own it. Don't bring me yeah. into it as well. Yeah. That's a general principle that I think that everyone vibes with. It's like, one, Absolutely. for it to come out publicly the way that it did, and he's already dealing with that. And then yeah. for you still to ask him to come on your Red Table Talk is something, right. that, something that bothered me personally <laughs> that she would do that, you know, instead yeah. of just giving him space to... It's kind of embarrassing. It's embarrassing for anyone in a relationship to have to deal with that, let alone right. have to come on your on your talk. But I think talk about I, it. I agree. But I think that they're acting a little bit. I, yeah. this is, that's just my perspective. Yeah. I think they're yeah. you can see it. You can yeah. see it. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I said that when I, they're posting another interview or I guess a post that she had posted and she's basically talking the same thing. And it just felt like insert name here. Kind right. of thing. It, 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 I mean, again, that, that's them, but I, I just think it was a personal matter. Obviously, August was really hurt that he had, he bought it out. I mean, it would have still been a secret had he not said anything, but right. he, he's obviously trying to heal something within him and which forced them to uh, verify or I guess confirm the rumors that people right. say they have an open relationship and this and that. What and well, like again, whatever they do, Christians always uh, judge people, but I always tell people you don't go to jail or sent to hell for someone else's sins. You right. only go for yours, and when you judge, see you there. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And let's let me give you a, t a chance to, to gush about Eddie for a little bit too, because okay. you know, obviously Eddie George is you know he's a he's amazing, and from what we see, obviously we know him, but a lot of people don't. But from what they see. They see this just like like you, a renaissance renaissance man who can act and he can he can produce. And obviously, he was a great football player and a businessman. And uh, so, talk to us a little bit about what it is that that honestly that makes Eddie great. Um, you can hear my son in the background. I hear and, him. <laughs> and uh, and and what is it about Eddie that makes him so great and uh, that makes you kind of I guess love him the way that you do. Well, for me, initially, he it was all physical. He was fine. Mm. I said, whatever, whatever he does, it's okay because he cute. Okay, <laughs> no, but there was something about Eddie that really attracted me to him. He, I love an intelligent man, mm. and he he definitely struck me as that when he told me his uh, his um, major at Ohio State was landscape architecture. The first thing I'm thinking is he can add. <laughs> <laughs> He's good. Like, I, I can never do anything with heavy math or anything that, that if it's just not writing, I'm off. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. out of it. But he went back, he finished that. And um, I, I loved his determination and drive with football. Like every, after every game, he's working out. He's trying to do something different. I just thought that was so dope. And it mm -hmm. made me want to try different things. Uh, I, I mean, I used to work out, but when I started working out with him, I was just like, I can't do this. This is for <laughs> superheroes. I can't do this. Right. Uh, but then after he stopped playing, his drive just tripled. He he wanted to act. He started taking lessons like every day. Mm. He wanted, he felt like he didn't have enough education. He went to Northwestern. He yes. how do you get into Northwestern after <laughs> Playing so many years in football, but he did it. So apparently he didn't get hit enough. And right. He was still listening. So um, 
Yeah, he, he went to Northwestern and he got his, his degree. He started all these businesses. And I was just so impressed by his determination. I'm, I'm more attracted to his brain. Of course, his body is, is amazing, but he, <laughs> I was so attracted to his his brain. It made me just, I love an intelligent man. It just, that's sexy to me. Yeah. And and you have, be, go ahead, okay. B. Go ahead. If you're staying, I was going to ask your, how connected are your guys' kids to your careers, right? Like, and do they have, <laughs> they do they listen to all of your music? Do they watch all of his old highlights? That's a good or question. Or are they yeah. like, that's ancient history. We, let's, let's talk about now. <laughs> Jair, our oldest son, who was a baby during Eddie's career, I, I believe he was born in 97. Of course, Eddie started in 95, 96. So he grew up knowing um, about Eddie. He watched the games. He'd been there to witness it. So he was very, he was, of course, Eddie's biggest fan. And he also wanted to go to Ohio State when he was younger. As he got older, that just went wayward. He ended up going to Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. Now, my youngest son was born after he retired. Mm -hmm. He had never seen Eddie play before in his life. The only thing he saw was the cheers and the crowds at Ohio State, which he is just in love with. You cannot tell him he's not going to Ohio State. Uh, I always tell anybody that I meet from the school, please talk to the deans. Make sure they understand he's coming because if he doesn't get in, he might just blow up the school. So <laughs> <laughs> he's that dedicated. But he 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 didn't watch a lot. Actually, in the beginning, he didn't understand why everyone loved Eddie so much. And people would tell him, your dad was this and your dad was that. So he started looking at highlights and he's just like, oh, oh. For the longest, he thought I was special and dad wasn't. <laughs> so funny. So talk to us a little bit about how did you get indoctrinated into, into Buckeye Nation, right? Because that's something that, you know, I mean, by extension, once you marry into it, you're kind of part of it. What was that, what was that like for you? Absolutely. Well, the funniest thing is when I met Eddie, initially he walked up to me at a mall, the mall of Florida, and he asked me for my autograph. He was still in college. I never watched football before. I barely watched basketball. So I had no idea who he, he or Sean Springs or any of those guys were who came up to me. And then the next year I ran into him, he had just won the Heisman. Again, I had no idea what that award was. So I was just like, oh, he's cute. He's cute. We talked for like two weeks and then, um, I was, I was actually in the middle of a breakup with an ex-boyfriend. And after two weeks, I knew I was going to go back to him. I told you I was weak back then. I love being the victim. <laughs> so I told Eddie, I know I'm going to go back to this guy. He's going to call any day now. And I don't want to put you in that triangle. Now, mind you, people are like, but you left him. No, he was already doing his thing. I was strung out on somebody else. And mm. I don't cheat. So I told him. I'm I'm gonna step away because it is. But he uh he just he won me over. But when yeah. we uh when we finally I didn't forgot my thought. What was I saying? <laughs> you were talking about <laughs> how you guys uh eventually eventually I guess eventually how you guys got together. Oh, how you got to the Buckeye Nation. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So so when we first started dating, she can't like stop talking years, about Eddie to this day. I, know, I get I get thrown off. I get thrown off. <laughs> I didn't know anything about football, so when he would invite me to his games, I would end up going to sleep. And his mother hated that. And I'm like, I don't understand the game. This is boring to me. So I literally had to sit there and learn what I was looking at so I could stop offending people. Because especially when it was cold, I'd right. put my pillows and blankets, and I'd be like, I'm going to just wait till the next play. And they said, right. 
my head is down and right. I'm shaking my tears. But yeah, I had to learn. That's, and so as Buckeye Nation, they, they now it's home for you. Is that something that's part oh, of you now? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, Good. yeah. I, I'm Good. like completely into it now. I told you, my youngest son, I have so many videos of him crying and having fits whenever the Buckeyes would lose. He oh, would yeah. have a fit. Like two years, like was it last year when they lost to Purdue? The two years ago. Whenever. Oh, my God. Yeah, maybe three years ago now. Okay. So apparently they were undefeated up until that game. I was actually in Las Vegas filming a television show at the time. And uh, Eric went to his friend's birthday party. And this is the same day of this game. They had rented a hotel for the kids to run around and have a good time. So my uh, girlfriend said, uh, she showed me a, what do you call it, a game, the ticker. And I saw that Purdue was beating Ohio State. I said, oh, Lord, let me call my child. Mm. So I call Eric, and he answers, wrong. <laughs> they're losing. I was like, Eric, it's okay. You're at a birthday party. He's in a room by himself crying like oh, a baby. No. And he says, no, we're never going to get in the playoffs. They <laughs> he is going off. This is what made my girlfriend call me. She goes, Eric said he doesn't want to live. I'm like, boy, oh, no. it's a game. <laughs> oh, no. It's so sad. That sounds game like, sounds like a lot too, of though, so. sounds like a lot of us Buckeye fans. Yeah. Oh moment. my god. He's never never trust extra. what we say in the moment of a loss. Yeah. For sure. Well he's he's his he's whole lucky. room. He's lucky he grew up during this time period, you know, because they're having been. Oh, I know. Losses. Yeah, I know. I know. That's, yeah. So let's switch gears. If they ever second. lose to um, Michigan, I'm just oh, scared no, he's please, gonna. Oh no! Please, please. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hope that doesn't He'll happen die. for him. For him. <laughs> uh, so let's let's switch gears for a little uh, for a second too, because uh, I want to get to something else. Also, this this time period, although we we've spoken about kind of the coronavirus and COVID, mm-hmm. has also been a kind of a historical time period as well as it relates to Black Lives Matter and the protests yeah. and some people, some riots, I guess you could say. Um, what are your kind of thoughts? Uh, I guess we'll start here as a, as a celebrity, right? And, and, and people kind of wanting to hear from celebrities and, you know, um, hearing what they think about certain things. What do you think about kind of mm-hmm. celebrity responsibility, I guess, in time periods like this uh, with, with kind of turmoil in the country? Well, the one thing I feel, I feel like people put way too much pressure on celebrities to change the world. We can do so much. That's not our responsibility to fix the world and do whatever people want them to do. Now, if you want to speak up and run out and hold a sign up in the street, do that. But everybody doesn't have that calling. And Mm -hmm. I hate when you're getting destroyed because you're not standing on the top of a building holding a a megaphone. Mm. That's just not everybody's calling. And they can be completely supportive of what you want to do. But it's just I don't feel like it's their duty to be the savior. I don't think so. Yeah. And and for you personally, how how do how do you how have you been handling it? I guess just as as a regular citizen and then also as a as a celebrity, how have you been able to kind of handle this moment? And as a mom of two and black sons. Mom. Yeah, and a yeah. wife of a black husband. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I tell people. When I see, when I saw that video of, of George Floyd with his knee, the guy's knee on his neck, that terrified me completely. I have three black men in my household. And I'm hoping that it will never come to that where they're being arrested for something that 
doesn't even have anything to do with them and end up losing their lives. Mm -hmm. I don't want that to happen. And I'm definitely in support of Black Lives Matter. I believe that we need to speak up, but I also believe we have to be strategic about this. I understand the anger and I understand the loud uh, cheer and cry for help. But until you stop being angry and start thinking about the, the, the strategy that we're gonna put in to change things, nothing is gonna change. Just marching is not gonna change it because we've marched for decades and that hasn't happened yet. But I think when, when black people decide to get strategic with it, so we need to come together and figure out how we make this change. I think the first place we need to start is that damn constitution. It was mm-hmm. not written for us. Once you mm-hmm. change it and incorporate everything and everyone that has grown with this country, it will be more inclusive. And I think it will be able to relate to everyone better. Um, I hate when people have these sides of Democrat, Republican. I call myself a conservative liberal because I have conservative (laughs) ideals and I have liberal ideals. Mm -hmm. So why can't we combine the two so everybody's happy? you got these two sides determined to make it their way. It's not Mm -hmm. about them. It's about the people. And until they get that point, we're going to constantly be hitting each other, hitting each other. You know what? You sound sound like you need to run for office. (laughs) Nope. Nope, nope, nope. (laughs) I hate... I hate politics because I just feel like it's a bunch of selfish babies running this world. You got Republicans screaming, Democrats always bring up racism as soon as an election comes. And then you got the Democrats screaming, uh, um, uh, Republicans are always bringing up law and order. And it's true. If you look through history, from the beginning of time, we've been on a hamster wheel. It's yeah. always been the same. When do we stop? When do we stop and say, this is what we need to do now? I, I, Let's bring the good ideas from Republicans and the good ideas from the Democrats and figure out how we can put them together. Yeah. I, th- I think that's, you touched on it earlier. I feel like as a country, oftentimes you were talking about the celebrities we're always looking to the wrong people f- to find the answers that we're that exactly. we actually need and are looking for. And the reality is right now, our politicians may not, as they stand now, may not be the people that we as citizens can look to. We need to figure out, like you said, a strategy to make yep. them more accountable and to create change because what's happening now Absolutely. isn't working. It's not working. It doesn't yeah. take a blind person to see that it's not working. Yeah. And there's so many laws that were put into place. Do you have people screaming how Hillary and Biden put these uh, laws into place that convicted a lot of black men? Okay, let's change that. You're sitting there telling people they did this, then change it. Stop mm-hmm. complaining about it and change it. You have the power to change that that law. That law. But no, you're not doing that. You're not changing the things that create systematic racism. You're not changing the, the, the things that you say were put into place by Clinton or Reagan. You still have those things there and you're complaining. So is that our fault that you're not doing your job? Yeah, that, that's, that's uh, first of all, this is, this is an exceptional point. And I think that there is, I think it highlights something that we don't see a lot, particularly on social media, which is that there's everyone doesn't think either this or that there are a lot of yeah there's a lot of gray area and you know and then, like you said on certain issues you might think this way and other issues you might think this way yeah it seems as the opportunity for kind of reasonable debate has left it's either like you think this or you think that and right. if you don't people are kind of at each other's throats you go and I think that's, that's a hindrance to <laughs> yeah. progress but the reality is and v and i have talked about this several times is that the people at the top they love that 
The division is beautiful because yeah. it keeps I them know. at the top and, and not worried about them and fighting about the issues down here at the lower level. I guess one other That's question on I this said. too is, 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 is I guess I'm going to ask you about Eddie's thoughts too because as a black man, I'm sure you've talked to him about this and as a celebrity, how has he kind of been dealing with this um, this time period as well? And he feels pretty much the same way I do. He, yeah. he has his reservations about uh, um, Biden. And I don't think too many people like Trump. <laughs> so right. he has his reservations about Trump as well. Of course, our biggest concern are our boys. Yeah. What, what are these laws going to do for our kids? And how are they going to help our kids? I think people are putting money in the wrong places. Now, I'm... I'm I think defunding the police might be a good idea, but what is that going to do for them? They're sitting there angry now with their arms crossed and not going to. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how, how do we go from one? There are bad apples in every area. There are. So what you have to do is reform the police. I think they need to reform the prison system. They definitely need to reform the educational system, but nobody wants to do that. They want to put money in oil and, and war and all this stupidness. How is that helping us? Your house is only as strong as your weakest link. The foundation is only as strong as your weakest link. And if the people are weak, you're going to suffer. Yeah. And how have your, how have your kids dealt with this too? Cause that's the other thing I've been trying to, you know, figure out and V and I've talked about this too. We have nephews and nieces or, who are younger, who are kind of just learning about race and how it affects potentially could affect them and life. Mm-hmm. How have you decided to approach this, especially particularly with your younger son? How have you yeah. decided to kind of approach these conversations? Right. My oldest son, he's 23. He's completely independent and he has his own thoughts and he, of course, understands what's going on. Now, my youngest son, all he sees is all of the fighting, all of the the looting. And of course, the media, who is the biggest devil, who will make it seem like these people that are crying out for help are just demons who want to hurt people. And then you see the commercials. There's a this is a red state. Tennessee is a red state. There's a, a senator, a doctor running for Senate, Tennessee Senate, and his commercial is, are you tired of the looting? Are you tired of the animals and the mm. vandals destroying mm, your mm, country? Mm. We are too. That's not how you com- campaign. You don't right. make people angry and build up already the anxieties that's in them. This is mm-hmm. the worst way, but they've done this continuously since the beginning of time and we just will not as a people get off that hamster wheel so for my son i'm just trying to explain to him what's going on in the best i guess cleanest way i can so that he can understand each side i don't want him to just be on one person's side because one thing i learned growing up my stepfather was abusive so i hated him like i hate him well i still kind of hate him but as a, as a mature adult, I asked myself, what got him to that point? Something happened to him to mm-hmm. make him fall off the wagon and be the person that he became. We have to go back and fix what was broken before you can move forward. I, I tell my son that when he struggles with math, there's something in the beginning. So let's start from the beginning and see where it was that you got lost so we can understand where to take you. Nobody's thinking sensibly. That's where I tell people, stop being angry, start strategizing, play chess. Don't be the one that they're not going to listen to. When babies scream and holler, you're finding a bottle immediately to shut them up. <laughs> yeah. right. that's, 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 a, yeah. that's a great point. Real talk right here. Yeah, this is real talk. Because, and, and again, V and I talk about this a lot in terms of just dealing with issues. 
a lot of times people are trying to figure out band-aid ways to kind of cover them. Oh, let's just throw them some money or let's, you know, let's remove yeah. this name or remove this. And it's like, that's cool. But they're, if you don't start with the structure and, and start with, the, yeah. like you said, the, the, the beginning, um, then you're not even going to see what built that house, you know? So you have to see what are the bricks that actually each brick, let's figure out what each brick is in that house that was built yeah. and figure out what the problem was, was with that brick. And, and one other question we we've asked some of our guests, you know, no one's immune from profiling, right? Have your mm-hmm. kids and, and Eddie um, experienced that despite being Eddie George, they've still experienced the same issues of being profiled as black men. Have you, have you guys had to deal with those experiences as a family situations where your kids have been profiled or Eddie's dealt with something that's Ooh. racist or you dealing with it as well, well? Thankfully, no. As a kid, yeah. Because of course I grew up in the 70s and 80s. So yeah, we dealt with stuff like that. But one thing Eddie said to me that I, I completely had to agree with, he says that he has to re-educate himself on certain uh, aspects of racism because as Eddie George, the football player, he was treated completely different. Mm-hmm. He was held up on the pedestal. He was the extraordinary guy. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have to, people knew his face wherever he yeah. went. So if they were shutting a door, it's like, oh, I don't mean to shut this door on you, just these other dummies. You know? mm-hmm. So he, he said that he has to actually go back out and really uh, identify again with the whole whole uh, racism comments, the racism profiling, because he was so out of touch for so long because mm-hmm. his career started in college. He yeah, started yeah. being popular in college. And as time went on, he didn't have to deal. We didn't have to deal with that as much. Mm-hmm. But right. there are so many people that do because they don't they don't have a familiar face. Yeah. And, and, you, and you're right, too, because it's not just that he was a, a, a famous football player, but he also has a face that people recognize. I remember yeah. uh, stories about like Donovan McNabb uh, being able to walk in Philly and people not knowing who he was, even though he was very celebrated. And Sean Alexander, mm-hmm. same thing happened to him in Seattle. People used to think he was Tiki Barber in Seattle when, when, he, <laughs> when he played for the Seahawks, you know. So, but Eddie was one of the ones that you know from college, like you said, because of his his profile and obviously went in the Heisman and just his celebrity that uh, people actually. Uh, recognize his face. So no, this, yeah. Taj, this, this, this part of the conversation has been exceptional. I think, you know, people, I know you don't want to run for politics and I don't either, trust me. Um, but I do <laughs> think folks that, are dirty. <laughs> yeah, but I do think though that there's no real reward, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> but I think that your voices and the things that you said here, I think a lot of people need to hear them, particularly from you. Um, my challenge to you is to figure out a way to do that in a way that you feel comfortable with. Not because you're Taj George as much as because I think what you said is very powerful. And I think a lot of people can really, really benefit from that. So I just want to throw that out there. Uh, Well, you know what I do like doing? I like speaking on the issues in an environment like this. When you mm, post things on social media, I refuse to sit there and argue back and forth with somebody I don't know because you don't agree with what I say. Right. I agree. I agree. And social media has become extremely toxic. I benefit from not having to engage in social media that much. And I I actually (laughs) enjoy the piece. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, so, you just you get attacked for nothing, like especially in this little time when everybody's so sensitive. I, I remember uh, D.L. Hughley made a post, and I, I my post was sarcastic. I was like, "Oh, um, uh, they're blaming everything on Democrats, and he did this. Like, uh, Democrats are controlling his Twitter." And I said, "And for those people who don't understand what I'm saying." Trump. That's what I said. Mm-hmm. Do you not believe how many you 
stupid. You're so crazy. I'm like, did you read the post? That's the problem I have with social media. I, I can't even begin. My, I got a high blood pressure. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, be- it's, be- it's better. It's better. Sometimes it's better. If we if we didn't have, V and I talk about this too, if we didn't have things to promote sometimes, we probably wouldn't be on there. Nearly exactly. Yeah. So let's, exactly. Let's talk about some music too real quick, and then we're going to do okay. something fun and get, and get you out of here. So we talked a little bit about the industries and how they, how the industry has changed over time. But the but there are a lot of still new artists who are very talented, right? Uh, who oh, yeah. I think would have dominated or at least been able to compete in any era. Talk to us a little bit about some of the younger artists or newer artists that you are fans of or that you develop, you know, relationships with that you think uh, are, are great. Um, one of my favorite new artists is Tiana Taylor. She's a New Yorker, so I love me some Tiana. And uh, I love her voice. I loved her last album. I thought it was so incredible, and it didn't get the accolades that it deserved. But she's like, she's a phenomenal talent. I love Summer Walker, and I might be biased because she just put out a song called SWV. Uh, (laughs) That'll get you. (laughs) But it's a really nice song. It's not even about us. No, (laughs) it's not. I know, right? We should with her, but no, it's it's not even about us. But the song is, is dope. So I like her. I am impressed with uh, Dub Baby. You know, there's so many babies. Yeah. Like, baby. Yeah, yeah. I really like him. And um, I like Bop, that song. And one of the things I loved about that song, or him, what made me appreciate him was when he was on Saturday Night Live. You have so many artists who just walk back and forth on the stage and you can barely understand what they're saying. Their pants are hanging off their butt. And that's fine. Do you. But I love the fact that he took the time to prepare a performance together yes he had the outfit right the the clothes the dancers and then he brought out the jabberwockies i want to dance with the jabberwockies (laughs) he's really really smart yes i was really impressed with him with that and then i really like the uh the other guy roddy rich i Mm -hmm. love his flow um, when he was on the BET Awards and I saw him playing that piano and he sound great live. These young kids, actually, some of them have talent. Some of them right. really do. So <laughs> I listened to I listened to him. Um, who's the other one that I like? Oh, you know, I'm just a fan of all the usuals. Drake and uh, Lil Wayne, uh, Chris Brown, of course. I love me some Chris Brown. That's, you know what else I've been listening to? Like Night and Day that I'm mm. a huge fan of right now. The Hamilton soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. soundtrack yeah, is so incredible. It's dope. Lin Manuel is, is outrageous. Yeah. He wrote everything. I'm just like, dude. There's a ton of time. Yeah. Go ahead, I wanted to ask you yeah. one other question since you've you've been touring most of your life, right? Are there particular cities or countries mm. that that you love going to that you you need to make sure whenever you guys go on tour, you spend time there. Yeah. I love Australia. Australia, if I had mm. to leave this country, I would probably go to Australia or Canada, mostly mm. because they speak English. <laughs> right, that helps. That helps. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's just really nice. I love that the atmosphere is really clean and beautiful. The, the scenery is gorgeous. And I'm an animal lover. So they have koalas and all the fun stuff that I like to play with. So I love Australia. Nice. I just love and being then, on tour. We saw you. We saw you in in New York. You got shut it down a couple of years ago. I love. I love that. It was at BB King. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I loved yeah. Thank yeah, you. That was, that was really good. Okay, so we have a couple top five lists that we're going to ask you, and then we're going to get you out of here. The first one okay. actually is your top five favorite SWV songs of all time. Um. 
Um, do, do they have to be in order? No, they don't have to be in order. No. Okay. I love the best years. Uh, that was off our our last album. Still, the best years. Mm-hmm. I loved. Um, uh, what's the dang song off the second album? Uh, Jesus, I gotta learn my song. Artists can't even remember that um, music. People don't realize. Yeah, they got too many songs though. Yeah, you guys got okay. Too the many best songs. years. Anything remix. I love. Of course, you gotta love weak, but oh, use me and uh, on tonight. Okay, I yeah. like it. It's funny because you know a lot of times our as fans' favorite list a lot of times aren't the same as the artists. Are there any particular? Do you have a favorite producer that you or or favorite producers that you guys have worked with? You know, I liked working with Brian Michael Cox a lot. He he had that uh, young guy um, Kevin. Again, my memory don't work all the time. I really enjoyed working with him. I did. Uh, we did a song called Time to Go with him that I really, really liked. And it, yeah, it, I love working with Brian. Yeah, you guys are, are famous for having the first uh, Neptune's placement on a record, right? Yeah, use your heart. You know? Yeah, that's what's up. V does yeah. the research. Okay. And, and uh, okay, two more top five lists. I'll ask one, then V will ask one. Um, let's talk about your top five musicians of all yes. time. Favorite. Musicians Ooh. of all time, Bobby Brown. <laughs> yeah, we know Bobby. <laughs> well, that's, that's an artist. You mean somebody who plays? No, or? I mean, I mean, an artist, Music. top five artists, musicians. Anyway. Okay, so you're yeah. right, Bobby Brown. Okay. okay. <laughs> that's, that, that, if, they, if they had to be in order, he would be number one. Okay. Bobby Brown, Babyface. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love, I love Tasha Cobb Leonard, and that's totally different genre. I love mm. her. I love um, I love Chris Brown mm. and let me see who else do I really like a lot uh, and Joe remember Joe yeah Joe was really good oh I love Joe now, Joe I gotta ask you one question now who who was yeah. I guess some I guess one or two people that really influenced you and your your style and your desire to be yeah. in the music industry yeah. Uh, that, oh, new edition. That's why mm-hmm. we became a group. We we mm-hmm. wanted to be a group so we can meet new edition. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it worked. Yeah, it worked. That was the I drive. <laughs> that is amazing. All right, we have one more for you, and then we'll get you out of here. Well, you said early on you weren't into sports, but I'm sure you are now. So you're oh, yeah. your top five athletes. I have a feeling we know who number one. Well, is. Right, yeah, right, I, I can right. give you four because <laughs> okay. one of them is my boo. Yeah, he'll mm-hmm. always be my favorite. Um. I like, I like, of course, Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. You know who I like a lot, and he just doesn't get a lot of credit. I love um, the the Dennis Rodman. I mm-hmm. love yeah. Dennis yes. Rodman. Yes. I, after watching him on Last Dance, I thought he was. Um, of course, you always knew he was dope. But then, right after the first episode came on, his E60 came on, and his background story is so just. You just your heart goes out to him. I'm sitting yeah. there watching it, crying, and I'm like, "I'll be your friend." Right. He's just such a dope dude, and yeah, he was yeah. so humble and appreciative in the beginning. I just really loved him, and I'm sure he's probably still the same way. Of course, like I said, people don't realize when you see somebody and they're away, don't mm-hmm. always assume that they're just horrible. Something got them there. Something right. happened to get them there. Yeah. So you just can't be like, "Yeah." But right. anyway, so Eddie George, Michael Jordan. Dennis Rodman. I love uh, Shaquille O'Neal. I love him. Mm-hmm. And 
I love me some Deshaun Watson. Ah, and Christian, I like Christian McCaffrey. I love Christian McCaffrey. You got a couple and young guys Curtis, in there. Curtis Samuel. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Nice. I was going to ask you, how does, uh, how does the Deshaun Watson uh, love, how does that play out in, in Tennessee? Because you're, in, uh, you're in Titans land, and that's, <laughs> that's one of their uh, rivals. They don't, <laughs> they don't know. They don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that is too funny. Oh, gosh. Tosh, thank you They know so now, much. though. Yeah. <laughs> They know now. Thank you so much for joining us. This is this has been an amazing interview. You're always an amazing interview. We love your energy. We love Thank your light. You for we love your music. Me. We love your family. You guys are great. Yes. Uh, stay safe during this time period, and uh, please stay in touch with us. Thanks for joining us in the Pilot Boys podcast. Thank you. Ah, take care. <laughs> love the Pilot Boys podcast. Support us on Patreon. Supporters can pledge as little as one dollar. We have some cool perks on there. Check out www.patreon.com forward slash pilot boys podcast show us some love today you're listening to news and notes the pilot boys podcast v let's hit it uh that was a great interview that we just had with taj george she's uh you know she's obviously multi-talented as we said but i I really appreciated some of her views and perspectives especially as it came to kind of celebrity involvement during this time this time period yeah overall it was a good interview um definitely she she brought good energy and She's very clear in her positions and her stances, which are great, which is yeah. Great. And we talked a little bit about the Will Smith and Jada Pinkett uh, Smith situation. I mean, obviously, we're not we are not a gossip podcast, um, but, you know, there are some things that kind of come to the forefront just because of the popularity of them that kind of have an interesting twist. Do you have anything to add there? Uh, we talked a little bit about it with, with Taj. Do you have anything to add there uh, in terms of just kind of how they're in the limelight right now? Well, I mean, not much, really. I mean, at the end of the day, I think uh, for me personally, the whole, the whole thing is corny, mm-hmm. um, just the whole way that it's a spectacle. But I will say there are a lot of people who care and are engaged, and um, it's very unfortunate. But I think um, for a lot of people um, who kind of look at Will Smith and specifically as kind of a role model, um they're having some trouble reconciling all of this um, with their position and their views on, on him specifically, because you expect sort of crazy behavior from, from celebrities. But I think Will Smith has always been a guy that we look at as someone who's kind of above the chaos of that industry. Right. So, yeah. I mean, the thing for me is like, they've always kind of touted that they've had some type of open marriage or whatever it is. So I like, I don't know. To me, it just is. It just it is what it. It's just whatever you know. To me, and, and August like Alcina has an album coming out. It's like it just. Of course, yeah, and then she seems, come, they come on the red table talk. It just it just doesn't vibe. It seems like they're acting a little bit, and you know, yeah. um, it's unfortunate because those are two talented people that I very much respect in terms of their art. That they don't. I don't feel like they need that, but you know. You know, it is what it is. So let's move on to more substantive stuff. <laughs> that, that, that look, though, that look, though, if you go and watch the look from um, The Pursuit of Happiness. It's the same look. It's the same look. So maybe it is acting. So, so let's, let's look, quick couple quick RIPs, man, because uh, um, there's no good way to transition. Naya Rivera, her body was actually found um, when what appears to be a boating accident. I don't think the full story is known yet. Her four-year-old son was actually found alive in the boat. Um, rest in peace to her, rest in peace to Lil Marlo, rapper Lil Marlo. And then also rest in peace to Kelly Preston, who's John Travolta's wife, who I think had a battle with breast cancer, I believe. Um, 
57 years old. So, you know, 57 years young. Um, it's sad, you know, de- any death is sad and, and, you know, but, um, when, especially when they're people that you've been exposed to, it just seems to kind of, you know, hit a little bit differently. And the Naya Rivera one specifically, cause she had a, such a young son and just kind of the circumstances surrounding it. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Uh, speaking of, you know, celebrities that have, that passed away, um, pop smoke, uh, has the, uh, is the first rap first posthumous rapper posthumous i think is the way you pronounce it uh um with an album to debut at number one um and his the killers have been charged i think it was four of them that they found uh what are your thoughts kind of just there as far as you know pop smoke and the music and kind of his legacy well i'm happy for him uh he had the hype um and he deserves kind of deserves this as an artist i guess and i think also i just hope you know this is good for his family and whoever his estate that is successful as it is yeah i mean sometimes it's you know i mean even we saw this with tupac you know and 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 obviously other artists even juice world which we'll talk about in a second like they're once they die their streams go crazy their album sales go crazy um not to say that they weren't appreciated when they were here because obviously they were but it's just interesting to see how much more people start to connect to a certain artist after they pass away um same thing happened with nipsey hustle um they connect with them more. It seems like after they pass away than, than while they're here. Why do you think that is by the way? I mean, I think that is that a human nature kind of sorrow regret type thing, or is it just people pay attention more and, or, or, or what, what do you think? That I mean, we, I mean, specifically in hip hop, right. We've dealt with a lot of early deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think it's kind of become a thing, you know, um, that I think people's perception um, changes when someone dies. Obviously, you it's harder to be critical, right? Mm-hmm. Of who's, That's true. Who's passed, and then also a lot of there are just so many artists out right now. It's so hard for anyone to stand out um, at any time. But I think when someone passes, people care about hearing what they have to say more. Yeah, um, as well. But then there's also just the hype around and the attention that the media creates around deaths. Um, yeah. And also, I emphasize that elevates people's statuses who may be a little less well known. Uh, yeah, and I think too that that the maybe just the kind of um, feeling or thought of like what could have been also seeps into people's mind. Because I, I remember, and you know, and particularly like even in rock music, you know, and you know the Twenty Seven Club and the Kurt Cobains and Jimi Hendrix and all those all these people that died young. Bob Marley, who's not necessarily in rock, and Alanis Morissette. Uh, Alanis Morissette? No, she's alive. Not a lot of less more said. Who am I thinking of? Um, Amy Winehouse. Um, Amy Winehouse, sorry. You know, a lot of these these celebrities, they die. And I think part of it is just like that feeling of like, ah, what could be, what could have been? And then you start listening to the music for, and the messages start to to make, to to feel a little deeper. You know what I mean? I think that happens even with uh, family members. You go back and listen to old voicemails or, you know, old things that they used to say, and it just hits different. So anyway, um, you know, obviously, congratulations to, to, you know, Pop and his family. Obviously, Pop's not here to, to celebrate this, but it's still a big achievement, and hopefully his family reaps the benefits of it. Um, let's move into some sports. Um, I guess let's talk about Ohio State first. Ohio State players are a few Ohio State football players that tested positive. As a result, um, they shut down voluntary workouts, um, mm-hmm. but actually they just reopened them, and I think players are back working out again. Uh, the Big Ten Conference came out and essentially said that they're only playing Big Ten games this year. 
um, no other out-of-conference games. The Pac-12 has also done that. I assume that many others will follow suit. But Gene Smith and other you know, people who are being honest and thoughtful are saying that they're very, very concerned that there will even be a season. Um, you know, and everybody's encouraging people to wear a mask and all that type of stuff. Where do you stand on this? Where do you, how do you see this thing playing out as we get? I mean, we're in the middle of July now and typically camp starts, you know, a couple of weeks from now. How do you see this thing playing out in the next couple of weeks? I mean, I think if you the writing's on the wall, right? The Ivy mm-hmm. League has already canceled their season, which mm-hmm. they were the first to kind of react. Uh, and everyone was laughing at them when they canceled their, the basketball tournament. cancel the basketball tournament (laughs) but it seems like um obviously they're going to do everything in their power especially these big universities in big conferences to have a season because we know the financial ramifications not just for the sports programs other sports programs we saw stanford actually canceled what 11 of their sports yeah Uh, and then also um just the nature of of of, of pushing things back right like mm-hmm. what the conference schedule does is it buys them some more it doesn't start until october i'm i'm hearing different things i don't think that a college football season is not um or make sure some sort of football season somehow this year yeah i think they're going to try to do what they can to get a football season um you know, I think the bigger question is, is, is not, are people going to get the coronavirus? They are going to get it. The question is, what is the protocol? You know, do guys have to sit out two weeks? Do people have to quarantine? Do they have to quarantine away from their teammates and families? What does that do for coaches who are older, um, you know, who also could potentially be exposed to it from the kids and so on and so forth? So that's, there's a lot to figure out there, but I think they're going to try whether we get through a season or not is to me is doubtful, but you know, we'll see what happens. And, you know, re- relating to that, California uh, has shut back down um, in a lot of ways. I think the the bars, people aren't allowed to go to bars and gyms and all that type of shut down. New York is restaurants, also, restaurants too. And then also, yeah. and, and New York has also now issued, you know, essentially travel advisories, including for Ohio, where if you go to New York now from Ohio, you have to quarantine for 14 days. Uh, before you can go out. Yeah, it's nuts. And they've done that for uh, a ton of states. And now Ohio is on on the list of that. So, I mean, what what do you feel about that? Is that, is that politics? Is that real talk? Is that, you know, I mean, New York has obviously been a model, uh, not necessarily since the beginning, but since they decided to shut down, they've, they've, they've flattened the curve completely. Um, But, you know, now they're trying to, you know, keep, keep it that way, I guess. Well, the data shows that all the states that open soonest are, are facing real major issues right now. Um, so mm-hmm. I do think, again, I think what we have is an issue, a major issue in the United States, is that no one is on the same page. You have all the states kind right. of doing their own thing, not really any great federal guidelines, very disappointed in how the CDC's handled it. So it's a very, very disappointing overall situation we're facing in America and probably the most, one of the more embarrassing moments we've had on the global from a global perspective in a long, long time. Yeah. And uh, the other thing is we talked a little bit about this too. Um, This fall, you know, a lot of different schools are kind of deciding what what do they want to do in terms of, you know, having classes. And um, a lot of schools are moving to online. Harvard, it's been reported that Harvard is going to be online, but still charging the same tuition. Um, 
What are your thoughts about to me, I'll say this first before I ask you your thoughts is that to me, a lot of this is showing a lot of what this coronavirus has done has shown a lot of inefficiencies and has shown a lot of hustles that people have been able to get away with in terms of forcing people to be in person, forcing people to pay high tuitions, forcing people to work in person, all of these different things that you're able to see now. You don't need there, people can be just as productive from home. You know, you, people don't have to go into class to learn, you know, like these tuitions that you're charging are not based on what you said they were based on because theoretically it would be based on all of the things that it takes to run an operation. But if you can run it online, then why are you still charging the same tuition? What are your kind of perspectives when you see and hear about kind of, you know, schools moving online? Um, well, I think there's, there's, you separate in, into categories, right? I think it's completely acceptable from a university perspective to go online, right? These are mm. adults, uh, kids that are all either 17 or older. Some of them get in young, obviously, but they have the ability to manage and, and run their own schedule and they should. Um, really been a hustle um and so that that hustle is being exposed as you said and if you are going to go strictly to online your costs are reduced so you should give students a break in tuition but when you get to younger kids right and younger families um and talking to a lot of parents that i know the concern is how do i work and be a full-time parent right and teach my kids and make sure they're doing everything that they have to do. America has gotten very used to schools essentially being, for a lack of a better phrase, the daycare center for their kids, right? As well as right. where they go to learn. So how those how those challenges are going to be met is uh, is is going to be very interesting. And then, you know, again, it's showing the the discord in our country again you're saying you're right. hearing the president say that we're going to take away their funding like it does doesn't seem like there are enough smart people sitting down in a room really trying to figure this thing out in an effective way yeah and you know again i think part of this is there i do think that there's you know some of these responses need to be localized but i do also think that there has to be a much better national understanding of how you know, guidance from, you know, the federal government and the, like you said, the CDC and, and, you know, you know, there's some guidance that's out there, but like a better overall strategy of how we should be looking at this thing. Um, I think when you, the problem, the problem with looking at everything so local is that it all affects, we all affect each other. So you can't just act as if, you know, there's no, you know, connectivity, right? Yeah. Um, so that's part of the, the frustration that I think we're seeing here. So I think that honestly, just the way this country is set up and the way people are acting, these things are not going to change. Um, and it's going to just kind of be localized. And we're probably going to go in and out of ways of this thing in different states and different cities. And people are going to have to make decisions on their own. And as, as a parent, I could tell you this right now. That's a one very tough decision, decision that I'm going to have to make this false. Whether or not I want to put my, my son in, in that daycare, you know, um, you know, so that those are the decisions that, you know, regardless of what the government is saying to do as parents, we're going to have to make these decisions as well. So, um, yeah, and, and that's the yeah. thing. If you look at, you know, what's it what's an acceptable like it, the fact that we're even having this conversation about children, right? Like mm -hmm. coronavirus it does kill people. 
you know, right. it doesn't kill everyone, but it does lead to deaths. So if there are, you know, 300 deaths nationally of kids going from going to school, how do we, how do we handle that? Do we just say that's, that's the cost of doing business? Because if a school shooting impacts 10 people or 15 people, you know, we see the reaction to those things, right? So how do we, how do we differentiate and say it's okay to open up schools and put, put our most vulnerable popular, some of our most vulnerable people at risk? Yeah. So, yeah. Right. I mean, it's tough, tough, tough sledding right now. And like you said, you got to make decisions kind of for yourself because you can't really trust what's happening coming from the top. Uh, let's move on. Uh, let's talk. Um, let's talk a couple controversial things. Um, we'll start with one that's, not necessarily controversial, just disrespectful. Deshaun Jackson made some very disrespectful um, and silly kind of comments, um, particularly as it pertained, you know, I guess anti-Semitic comments. Steven Jackson kind of backed him up, which was which was sad to see because he's been such a powerful voice to me. Um, and since the George Floyd situation, and obviously he, you know, George Floyd is his quote unquote twin, somebody that he knows very well. Um, but when you kind of come out and defend that type of thing, you lose credibility overall because especially when you're arguing black lives matter, black lives matter is, is a, is a movement that's supposed to essentially be for equality, right? Meaning that we all believe that everybody's the same. And so when you do something like that, it really, really uh, undermines other things that you say. And uh, what, what do you have any, I mean, I'm sure we all kind of think the same thing. Do you have any? Yeah, obviously his comments are very, very disheartening. You never, if you think you're quoting Hitler, like that's probably uh time to reconsider what you're boasting. Right. 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 <laughs> so, Absolutely. um, I hate these people or these people are evil. You can't, you can't have those type of, um, make those type of statements and hope to have a, have a fruitful conversation around this subject. Yeah. And, and to his credit, I mean, I think he, you know, he's, he's reckoned with it and he's, you know, he's having conversations, he's apologized and he's, you know, working with, I think Julian Edelman and the, you know, there's, 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 I don't want to say positivity, but there's, you know, this thing could have continued to spiral in a certain way that it hasn't. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but you know, this is kind of the world that we live in today, you know? Um, And I guess that, that helps me transition a little bit into this, this Redskins thing. The Redskins have finally officially agreed to, to drop the, and release their name. Uh, We're not, we're not sure what the new name is going to be. There's some trademark issues that they probably have to work out first. Um, and, and it's interesting, you know, there's a video that surfaced, I think of like, you know, seven to 10 years ago, Dan Snyder basically saying, I'll never get rid of this name. Um, and we talked about this before you and I about, you know, well, money talks, right. And at the end of the day, you know, FedEx is involved and Nike's involved and all these people are, are pulling sponsorships and no longer want to be affiliated. Next thing you know, it's gone. Right. And, um, but suppose that. Yeah, but the more interesting thing about it, I think now is is some of the response that we've seen. You know, people talking online saying, "Oh, only white people are the ones that wanted it gone," and people quoting all these polls that say, you know, most Native Americans don't even want it gone. You know, this is overreaction, and people are telling me it's slippery slope, all this type of stuff. Um, what's your reaction to that? Fuck off. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like here, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like. You don't get to tell another group of people. Um, And I think part of the issue that we have in America is it's like because Native Americans have pretty much been 
you know, expunged from our society um, through the evil of power and greed um, because their voices aren't as loud um, doesn't mean that they don't need to be heard. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're saying, oh, I think one of the things that they're saying is this is a plot to remove all Native American uh, history and and culture from from pop culture. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You can pay homage to the Native Americans without calling yourself Redskins. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, would you as would you be okay? If somebody called them the, the Washington Cracker Jacks or, right. the, or, or some racial slur right. directed toward some. Well, Redskins is a, historically is a racial slur. I mean, people yeah, can say, it's, it's, you know, maybe over time, you know, for some people, it hasn't meant the same thing or they don't take it the same way. But that doesn't take away from the fact of what it is. Right. And, um, you know, and that's the thing. People are quoting polls. And I'm just like, first of all, polls that's a scary basis to use anything first of all polls can be manipulated depending on how you ask the question a lot of times you can get different results like i said on twitter for example if someone said in the poll would you be more offended if they kept the name or more offended if they took away the name if that was the poll what would the results yield so you can't just look at polls you also and then at a certain point you have to just decide like you know there has to be some type of common sense it doesn't have to be a consensus that it's offensive Right. It doesn't have to be unanimous that it's offensive. Just like, for example, you could probably do a poll of, you know, asking black people if they're offended by the N word. And some people are going to say no, but that doesn't mean that it's not offensive. And then also it's not always about how the person takes it. It's also sometimes about how you meant it. You know, if you if you come up with some some slur right now to describe certain people, even if they don't take it that way or understand it to be that way, that doesn't take away from the fact that you actually deliberately did that to be offensive. And that's the thing that it's just, it's mind boggling when you kind of hear some of these arguments. Um, people want to talk about slippery slope and, and you know, I had a discussion with somebody about this on Twitter the other day. It's like, the only time I hear people talk about slippery slope is when it comes to justice, fairness, and equality. Yeah. I never hear them argue slippery slope in any other circumstance. And I, and I never hear them argue as fervently for justice and fairness and equality as they do for slippery slope. And and also I think the thing that bothers me about this is the people who are so tied to the name, ask yourself the question of what, why you're so tied to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like this is a football team. Mm -hmm. This is, this is the, the reason that so many people are up in arms is because their football team now has to go by another name. And Mm -hmm. what, how much value? But some that? of these people aren't even fans of the team. Yeah. They just they just want to participate in this outrage. Oh, so we're just going to get rid of everything? And they're not yeah, even fans. Every, the world is America is too sensitive. We're this cancel culture. No, certain things need to be canceled. That's why America has the problems that it has is because these things are never addressed. Exactly. So, exactly. Addressed. Exactly. And that's why, you know, sometimes people think they're symbolic, but they're not just merely symbolic sometimes. Sometimes they are representative of you know, and a reminder of the way this country has t- treated certain people. So get rid of them, get, yeah. get rid of them. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit more, a couple more political things before we move back on to sports. Um, Roger Stone was pardoned by Trump, released prison. Tucker, Tucker Carlson's top writer was fired basically after a lot of his comments, um, racist, divisive, homophobic, I believe all these different types of comments of him have surfaced and him basically touting and boasting that, you know, the first draft of what you hear Carl Tucker say is basically written by him. Um, any of those stories pop out to you or have any significance? Well, <laughs> if you want to know why America is so divided, um, 
Tucker Carlson has the most popular cable news show of all time. I don't know if you mm. knew that. No, I didn't know that. Um, Doesn't surprise me, though. 4.6 million viewers every week um, mm. tune into this. And then also his response to it, making this guy out to be some sort of victim. Like, this is your lead mm. writer, the guy who says that he writes all of your stuff. This is how he thinks. Mm-hmm. This is how he thinks, right? Right. These are his views. And those views are being disseminated through the show. Maybe not directly, mm-hmm. but indirectly. Right. Um, and, and, and that's the problem um, that I have with this is it's, it's essentially a, a proof of what so many people have. So many of the issues people have with far right wing media and Fox News and other networks that they say, look, you guys have an agenda to push out hate mm. and division. When you see these things, you start to say, okay, this is checkmark. Here's a piece of evidence that proves that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they see that and, and you know, I, you know, there's, it's interesting because what's happened recently because I feel like there's a difference between, you know, just conservatives or Republicans or whatever you want name you want to call people and then Trump supporters. Right. Yeah. And sometimes there's some overlap, but I think we're starting to see more and more. That's not necessarily an overlap. It's a, there. it's a different group of people. Yeah. And I think that what some reasonable people have come to what to believe is acceptable. Um, they obviously know this type of thing is unacceptable. Right. And, yeah. and it, it, you know, whether they feel it or not, internally outwardly this isn't these aren't the views that they want representing them right yeah um and then you have another group of people who is like yeah let's this is it it, our america you know this is how we view our america and it seems as though right now that some of these networks and some of these um media outlets are kind of catering to both um at least trying to and and but they're also offending certain sensibilities within their community so it's it's popular but people have to be very careful with what it is that they're doing and what it is they're that that they're touting because eventually and this is true in pretty much everywhere in all societies eventually you know people are gonna not be on that side of things anymore right so this thing is not gonna you know last indefinitely and you got to really start picking sides about what you stand for um, what you're willing to believe in, um, who you're willing to defend. And eventually the reckoning is going to come um, for people who do tout and preach and defend hate. Yeah. And as far as Roger Stone, it's just mm. straight up mafia criminal behavior. There's no other way to put it. Like yeah. people on the right and left know it. Like this has never happened before. Right. You are interfering with the judicial process. And this is, let's just be frank here. The problem that we have with Trump is he wants to be a dictator. Mm-hmm. He, nobody in his camp should have any accountability, mm-hmm. but everybody else should have accountability yep. and have consequences. Yeah. So, I mean, I've had, I've had even very conservative friends who told me like well, that this Roger Stone thing is bullshit. Yeah, you know what I mean? So it's complete bullshit. Yeah. So it's like, you know, again, I think people like love to argue across party lines and all that type of stuff. But sometimes you just have to just, just use your brain. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't have to, it doesn't always have to be party lines. You don't have to agree with everything or disagree with everything that somebody does. Sometimes just look at what's happening and be like, yo, that's crazy. Are you okay with our president as a citizen? Are you okay with our president or anyone being judge, jury and executioner of the no. law? 
No. no, that's not how our system is set up. So if you claim I love America and I believe in America, you should not be okay with anyone taking an action like this that doesn't go through due process. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about um, a couple football things and we'll talk some music and then get out of here. Uh, NFL has new mouth guards. Um, thoughts on that. And then also the Madden ratings. The Madden ratings came out. It's causing a lot of hysteria. In a lot of ways, I think sometimes they do this stuff on purpose, right? Because it just drives conversation and it drives interest. And it's just literally like the easiest way to literally to garner interest. Some of the notable things that I saw was I think Deshaun Watson was ranked like an 85. Aaron Rodgers was ranked, I believe, an 89. Um, and Tom Brady was, I think, maybe a 91. And they were right. both behind Brady. Oh, is it a 90? Okay. And both behind Drew Brees. Um any any of that stuff stick out to you? Is it is it? Do you care to talk about it, or do you feel like it's just kind of marketing? It's always fun, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know if ninety nine is a good enough rating for Patrick Mahomes, personally. Right. Right. You know, but uh, it's it's fun. The the Deshaun Watson thing doesn't make any sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like eighty five, like no. he's going above my favorite quarterback, Dak Prescott. Um, right. So, <laughs> you, like, you know, you love some Dak. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean. It's uh, it's it's interesting, and and what's also interesting is um, J.K. Dobbins actually had the highest rating of the rookie running backs, despite being the fifth running back mm. taken in the draft. So, oh yeah, well, and that offense too. I mean, he's gonna he's yeah. gonna get busy, gonna get busy in that offense. And, and Lamar Jackson probably was warranted a ninety nine rating as well, but yeah. he got the cover, so he did. I guess that makes up for it. He did. He did. All right, and then um, some new music. As far as the mask, though, that's an interesting thing, right? Yeah, the NFL guard mask. Yeah, because players are very resistant to it, and it's like, yeah, I yeah. I mean, it's 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 interesting because, I mean, the NFL is going to have to do something. You know what I mean? And part of this, I think, is part of it is, what are you going to do actually from a health perspective, and then what are you going to do from a PR perspective, right? What are you going to do to make it seem like you're actually trying to do something? And yeah. I think that's part of what these companies are dealing with now, these professional sports leagues in particular, is understanding that there's PR here too, right? Yeah. So you got to at least give the impression that you're trying to do something to make it safe. Because we know that t- guys tackling each other for 60 minutes is not safe way to social distance and, and not effectively spread the coronavirus. So... <laughs> You know what are you going to do? And this is what yeah. they're doing. Yeah, they've got to they've got to try everything, and and also the players need to understand that change if they want to play football, um, that they need to embrace uh, some type change, of change. Some type of change. Yeah. Right? So, and and then new music, Juice World, some new music, DJ Khaled and Drake of new music. Um, I'm looking forward to Juice World, man. I haven't listened. I don't know if it's out yet, but I, I I'm looking forward to it because he's just a super talented guy. Um, I think a lot of people, a lot of people know that. So it's not like I'm saying anything, um, breaking news, but he has, he has, he's very, very talented. He, he, he used some of the new style of music, um, in terms of like auto tune and some of that melodies and stuff like that, but he actually can rap, <laughs> you know, that's what I think a lot of people don't realize. Um, so, uh, what do you think about, what do you think about his new music coming out and, and, uh, are you excited for it at all? Yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest Juice World fan personally, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like his music, if it's on, I'll listen to it. Right. And I do think I understand why so many people liked him and loved him. Yeah, um, I'm actually very interested in seeing what um, 
Drake and DJ Khaled have to offer, especially considering the time right. um, that we're in to see, you know, where they go with it, right? Are they going right. to come out with some party anthems? Right. Or is it going to be some more like substantive um, issue related stuff? You just, it's hard to know and hard to predict. Right. All right. Well, we will see. And I'm sure after we uh, review it properly, we'll talk about it again. That's all we have for news and notes. You guys are listening to the Pilot Boys podcast. Ondo Media here in Columbus has been working with us to keep the Pilot Boys in production during the pandemic, as well as getting our YouTube videos going. It's all about telling your story to your audience. So give John at Ondo Media a shout. You can find all of their media consulting at ondomedia.com. That's all we have for today's show. Big thanks to our guest, Taj George. Thanks to everybody for listening. Don't forget, sharing is caring. Subscribe to the Pilot Boys podcast on Apple, Spotify, Patreon, and YouTube. And please follow us on social media at Pilot Boys Pod on Twitter and at Pilot Boys Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And follow the hosts on Twitter. I am at Mechadon Music and V is at the Swan. And don't forget to grab some Pilot Boys wristbands and face masks at Shop dot pilotboys.com and always remember be you you is fly pilot boys out pilot boys we get on up